Really quick, before we get into anything today, I want to thank Jay Ryan for having me on his podcast called The Deerhorn. It is a podcast all about Giat Lombard instruments, and uh, he sent me a Deerhorn to actually play with for a while so we could have a cool chat. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I would appreciate it, and I think Jay would appreciate it if you went over and uh, checked it out. The Deerhorn Podcast. I am looking for the perfect synthesizer setup for me so I can express what I have deep in my soul. And I've done a lot of research online and hands down, the best place that I have found to go to find all the synthesizer gear that I need is at patchworks.com. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. I couldn't agree more. Patchworks is the place to go. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. That's where you're going to find your Bleep Bloop 2000, my new module that I did in uh, partnership with Afterlater Audio, also the new Dirty Laundry from Afterlater Audio, two awesome modules. I will say that the after, or the Bleep Bloops, excuse me, are dwindling in numbers and they are a limited run of 100. So get them while they're hot. There's been a lot of great uh, demos um, by a couple shops, including Patchworks. Good old uh, EasyBot, a.k.a. uh, Matt Picora over there at Patchworks, did an awesome, awesome demo video of the Bleep Bloop 2000. So head over to Patchworks.com to uh, learn more about that and other great synthesizer products. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. I'm Tim Held, and this week we have Scott Campbell on the show. I'm pretty excited to have Scott on not only to talk about his music, but also his uh, work in instrument design. If you're not familiar with the Old Man Magnetique, I cannot say it. I, I see it in my brain and I just I can't. Magnetique. Um, if you're not familiar with this instrument, then... I would pause this episode and go check it out because it is, it's so cool. It's one of those uh, instruments that has um, really stoked up my gear acquisition syndrome and it's climbed to the top of the list of what I want to get next, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I have some exciting stuff to share with you. I told you last week about the upcoming show here in Seattle with R. Benny, Basement State, presents an evening of ambience and immersion. That is going to be Saturday, October 16th, 7.30 p.m. at the Chapel Space at the Good Shepherd Center. But that's not where R. Benny stops. R. Benny is also going to head on down to Colorado. The Colorado Modular Synth Society is going to be having an event the weekend of October 23rd and 24th. There's going to be a night of music. There's going to be a day of workshops. And guess who else is going to be there? Your boy. I'm going to be there. I'm going to play a show, and I'm going to do a little workshop on the Bleep Bloop 2000 and Dirty Laundry from After Later Audio. So we don't have an, as of as of this time of recording, we do not have a venue in place yet. It's kind of up in the air. So you're going to want to keep an eye out on Colorado Modular Synth Society's Instagram, or you're going to want to um, uh, join their mailing list because there's going to be limited tickets to this event. So yeah. 
Lots of cool stuff coming up. I'm so excited to travel. I just got back from a road trip that I would like to tell you about. Uh, my wife and I, every year, we like to go on a, a camping road trip for our anniversary. Three years married. Happily married. Oh, Hannah, she's smiling at me. She's over there on the couch while I record this. Um, And I brought my synth with me. I posted a pic on Instagram of the synth setup, and I recorded some videos uh, in the hotel room that we stayed in in this tiny little town called Republic, Washington. Um, it was overrun by deer, literally. There were deer everywhere. I, I got a bunch of footage, so hopefully I'm going to have a video up of some of these performances that I did. Um, I was going to do them outside by a campfire, but we got rained out a few nights um, and ended up in a hotel. But because of that rain, we were heading into town, and we saw... A mama and two of her babies we saw moose in the wild and that was that was pretty awesome because if you've been listening to the show for a year we were in Yellowstone last year and we really wanted to see a moose and we saw everything but a moose so Hannah got to see her first wild moose so that was pretty fun and something else that was pretty fun was getting to know the circuit rhythm from Novation while I was out on this road trip um, I was really excited to get the circuit rhythm because it has its own internal battery um, which as you know I, I like battery powered stuff that I can incorporate with my travel synth and um, you know I'm really into sampling and I was just uh, yeah I was excited to kind of get to know it I thought I would be spending more time um, you know in the in the car because we were driving a lot reading the manual and um, turns out that I spent way less time with the manual and way more hands-on time because this thing is incredibly intuitive. Um, I remember watching a video on it before I got it. Ricky Tynes was talking about how intuitive it was and um, he was not wrong. This is one of the best laid out um, pieces of gear that I've ever had. It doesn't have any screens and it's just all, all of the, the navigation on it is incredibly intuitive and this thing it just you can really flow between all of its functionality like on the different pages and stuff so let's get a beat going really quick um and i haven't even loaded up my own samples on it yet um because well i haven't had time i got it and then i went on this road trip so i was really just going to try to learn how to use it and not like actually use it in any of my videos but i have i did end up using it in uh, one of the videos that i'm going to post soon because um you know, like any good sampler, you can really shape the uh, the samples to make them your own. So let's just uh, let's just cut this beat down a little bit. Um, you can uh, apply tune, um, your start and stop time to a sample. Um, there's an envelope that you can like add a slope. It's it's just basically it's it's called the slope function. So you can add a you know an attack like a nice slow attack to your your sample. There's a distortion which is pretty great, um, a high pass and a low pass filter, and then there's a resonance, um, and then there's a master filter that controls the whole track. So um, between really the tune filter starting like just off all of these uh, parameters, you can you can take a sample and and really make it your own. Um, so let's get this beat going. So I'm able to turn on and off each one of these individual eight tracks in this mixer uh, slash grid effects page. So there's that's just four tracks turned off and I can, you know, obviously do any sort of combination of them. Um, and then the, the onboard effects are super fun. So you've got some um, some different types of reverse. Uh, there's some cool like vinyl 
like lo-fi, lo-fi filter. Um, there's some cool like flanging, phasing. And then my favorite is the the beat repeat, and then like this like sample chop section. Um, I actually don't know if those are the technical names because I've spent such little time with the manual because of how intuitive it is. I've just been able to dive in. But um, what I really like about this like sample chop thing is like you can almost you can kind of change your pattern by just grabbing a snapshot of it, and there's four different snapshots you can grab. So now I'm in like this four on the floor kind of thing. I can chop it up a little more here. This this actually, this one is like kind of so in time with the, the beat that you can't really tell what's happening with it. I'll, I'll, I'll display it um, more when I bring up another one, but this right here is really fun. It's almost like a, a square tremolo or something. Um, which is really fun for less beat-driven and more kind of like ambient stuff. Um, and then there's the beat repeat. I did that very unskillfully. <laughs> I did not. Let's see if I could do that better. <laughs> so you do like the classic, the classic big drop. Um, and you, you definitely, I've noticed like that was pretty clumsy cause I'm talking while I'm doing it, but you can get better at it. Uh, so yeah, that's, let's see, let's load up another thing just so I can show you. This is the first thing that I made on it and actually will show up in one of the videos that I'm going to post soon. All right, I got just one track on. So what I really liked what about this is this like with the mixer and the grid effects is um, it's just like you can you can actually stack all these different tracks to have different patterns. So you can kind of like mix and match, and you can you can get really deep with um, with your 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 uh, project that you set up. But between the mixer and all the effects, you can go really deep with just one pattern, um, which is something that I think is really useful because you could just build something really quick and get a lot out of it. So let's turn on all of these tracks here. Turn off the drums. So here's that tremolo thing I was talking about. <laughs> so let's see, let's do this. Let's turn every, all the drums on after I do that. Ah, I fucked up. <laughs> but you can see what I was going for. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got a cool little like routine going with this with this uh, pattern and ran it through, uh, you know, like my, my morphogen and stuff. So I'm confident that this is going to kind of become my, my main brain for sound sources. Um, cause you know, I'd like to use my, my travel rig as more of an effects processor slash field recorder. So the circuit rhythm is going to be the brain from now on because of how compact it is, because of how powerful it is, because of its battery power. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's it's sturdy. The pads feel really nice. Um, I'm just very impressed, to be honest. Um, 
and excited to go deeper with it. So if you're like me and you like taking stuff on the road and you like battery powered stuff and you don't want to have to switch batteries or buy USB batteries, this thing is is the uh, is the sampler slash drum machine for you. Check them out. Novation Circuit Rhythms. All right. I'm going to load up one final pattern here project and uh, jam on it for a second. And then we're going to get into this chat with Scott Kim. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I feel like it's been a long time coming. Uh, cool. But not to start on a somber note, but I just, how are you doing here in New Orleans, right? Yeah. How, how yeah. is everything going down there right now? Things are pretty much back to normal, although okay. there's a constant, like, vigilant eye on the uh, Gulf, making sure another storm doesn't pop up because it, at this point, it's like, you know, you don't know how many storms are going to hit in the season now. It's like crazy the amount of storms we get now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Ida was pretty, pretty bad, but it could have been worse. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. We, uh, we left town for about a week. Power was out at my place for about a week. So, I mean, all things considered, that's not fun. It's not good, but it, it could have been way worse. Yeah, I heard things that like were much worse down down the bayou from where you are. Like, yeah, I heard there's some pretty, and you don't hear a lot of coverage of that. Um, no, it's a on, shame. The coast yeah. is destroyed all the time. You know, I mean, and then the coastline is continually getting eaten away. Which, you know, the coastline helps. You know, uh. It basically, it prevents the storms from being as bad, but now that the coastline is so destroyed and depleted, it's like there's not as much protection, so those yeah. places just get destroyed. That's so, it's so sad. I just, I just wish, uh, you know, we could, the you know, there was more scientific proof of this, this, uh, you know, this climate change stuff. If so we only, could, you know, if only we could like have some actual things happening or if God could send a sign, if it's not science, um, sorry, shouldn't be making jokes about this, but, uh, I mean, I feel like not, not to get too doom and gloomy, but I really feel like this storm season, especially with like how it hit like the Northeast almost worse, worse than it hit the South. Um, it's just kind of like, Hey guys, all that stuff they were warning us about, yeah. it's like, it's on the front step right now. It's on the, you know, it's knocking, it's literally knocking on the door. Um, exactly. I mean, the amount of storms is just, is like proof, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it was never like this in the past. It's only been in the past handful of years where it's just like storm after storm mm-hmm. and, you know, in the East coast getting hit so yeah. bad, it's like, it's not usual this is not the usual yeah thing we, we do. had 115 degrees in seattle this summer 
that's that's insane. that doesn't happen that's <laughs> that's, that's fucking nuts. crazy um yeah so all right well let's move on let's let's make this more about you and have some fun uh did you grow up in the new orleans area area uh baton rouge which is about an okay. hour from new orleans um okay. i've been i've been here for about 12 years uh moved around a little bit in between but um generally in the south so yeah okay okay um I listened to your esoteric modulation episode, of course, so I want to make sure I don't get to, you know, I don't want to cover the same ground because I'd like to point people to that episode to listen to. Um, so we talked, you talked a lot about your, like specifically your circuit bending into the OM stuff, but I'm mm -hmm. curious, like, how do you find the music that leads you to kind of this sonic exploration and, and circuit bending and stuff? when you're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> well, yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's not like it is now where it's like so easy to kind of stumble upon mm -hmm. things. Back then it was like, I guess that whole journey for me with like the electronic music sort of started when a friend of mine went to uh, a summer art program and met someone from, uh, I think the Pacific Northwest or California and they gave him a mixtape which had mm -hmm. like boards of Canada, Apex twin, all that sort of stuff on it. Um, and I was at a point in my life where I was sort of tired of all the things I was listening to. Um, I mean, I was pretty into jazz at that point and uh, fusion and, you know, miles seventies era, that sort of stuff, which is great, but I wasn't really into anything modern. So mm -hmm. my friend br brings this tape back and it has all this, you know, new, stuff on it and it was just like a whole world you know opened up and and the the big draw was just like not knowing how any of it was made not knowing mm -hmm. you know what pieces of gear how it was being written like you know the concept of a sequencer to me was nuts like you mean you program each note in at a time yeah, you know? yeah. coming from the world <laughs> of like you know guitars and drums and stuff uh -huh. it's like mind-blowing so yeah i mean it kind of started there and then um you know once you discover those bands and you discover like warp records you can kind of start to dig yeah then you know slowly you start to find other people who have uncovered these you know mm -hmm. what seem like hidden worlds when you're in mm -hmm. baton rouge louisiana and they have things to show you so you know it's it very old school Definitely. And, and of course, like, you know, guys that worked at the record store always knew the good shit. Yeah. Uh, we had a friend that worked at one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm finding myself starting to like realize like that I'm getting old because I long for this exact time that you're talking about. You know, you mentioned cassette tape, you know, so, you know, it's if if the Internet's around, it's real old. And so, like, there's all these I feel like like you said, a hidden world there's this exciting thing of like, if you, if you happen upon a t-shirt, you know, if you get a, a descendants t-shirt with Milo on it, then you wear that around. And then the person who says, Oh, that's Milo. Then all of a sudden you're just like, yes, somebody else who knows, you know, like this is right. all like pre just like Googling something and getting into a, like a Facebook group about something or something. Right. Like that. It's very word of mouth. Yeah. And there was something really magical about that, that I think it, it lent itself there was something that was lent to the the actual music and like your relationship and how much you loved it um and i feel like that's something that is lost in the digital age 
Um, of course, there's it's not all negative. I'm not trying to be like a Luddite or anything, but you know, it's, it's yeah. Uh, well, it was the yeah. mystery. It was a huge right. aspect of it. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like a band is like expected to have such a presence, you know, socially, online, all that, and sort of like be a little more available. You can send them a message, you know, directly. Mm-hmm. Like right, back right. then it was like Boards of Canada. I had zero clue about anything related to them other than the music. Mm-hmm. And that it heightens the way you feel about the music to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And you go see them live and you're like, that's what they look like. You know, right. you've maybe seen one or two pictures and they're like artsy pictures of them in the distance or something. So you're like, can't quite get a handle on what they look like. Oh, that's what the drummer really looks like. Yeah. <laughs> or even the gear being used like back right. then, it yeah. wasn't like you couldn't like Google it and there weren't all these companies making new, amazing things. It was all stuff from, you know, 70s 80s 90s and Mm -hmm. just things you'd never heard of and couldn't really get your hands on so the whole the whole you know a to z it was all just a mystery and yeah i do miss that a little bit of course as someone who makes music it's nice to have access to all the new fun toys totally (laughs) yeah yeah so just like a hypothetical uh question how do you not how'd your friend not got that mixtape like would you have that would you have that modular set up behind you would you have these things set where would you be right now you think i probably would because i feel like i got into the circuit bending thing almost separate separate from the music thing in okay. some way because i was like i said at a point where i was trying to like find new ways to make music because i was in a band and I, I wasn't really fulfilled all the way. It was fun, but it was like, you know, you always compromise when you're in a band. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for new ways to make sound basically. And that's when the, the circuit bending thing sort of kicked off in that, you know, late nineties, early two thousands era. So I'd started kind of dabbling in that, not really making music with it, just sort of as like a fun way to make sounds and do weird shit mm-hmm. and then um you know getting like i, I got that uh, acid pro program which is like mm-hmm. a loop based thing so i could just like record weird sounds into that and then sort of cobble them together and like get some record samples and it was i, I sort of stumbled upon the people who were doing the real shit in that arena you know fx twin dj shadow while i was sort of like discovering this online community of like the circuit bending thing. And it was just sort of like a perfect storm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's I, I had almost the exact same thing. I was in a band and it was fun, but I didn't feel like I was truly saying what I wanted to say musically. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like I, I was trying for a long time to make what I was thinking of like weird music with my guitar. And it just sounded dumb to me. And I was like, this is not what I I'm going for. <laughs> um, and then yeah, drum basically it's just like drum machines through uh, fuzz pedals is when I started realizing like oh yeah this is why this is what I've been wanting to do. I definitely had that same experience. <laughs> like you put a drum machine through. I had these like this cheap one it was called a Synsonics. It was like four pads, basically uh-huh. a toy, but it was uh-huh. analog. And I put it through a big muff one day, and it was just like yep. this is something different. You know, this is not yeah. a toy anymore. Yep, that was the Volca beats for me through a bunch of like recovery effects and Earthquaker devices. Like, 
Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just destroying it and then building loops and learning how to use Ableton and, and logic and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just funny that like when I found that, I even, I even felt like I was expressing something that I'd had in me almost since I wanted to start making my own music, you know, like there was there, I never quite felt like I was trying to do like the singer songwriter thing when I was in my twenties, you know, and then, you know, doing the pop punk thing and none of it was just like, I was more just like doing what I could do with other people that I knew other people around me liked. And yeah, it was just something weird that like cracked open. Like I listened to anything that I made before I started getting into electronic music. I kind of cringe when I listen to, but everything that I've made electronically, I'm, I still am like, Oh yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Even the stuff that's like now, like seven years old or whatever, which is the first time in my life I've ever liked anything that I've made like three years later, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that sense of like exploration, like even if it's like not amazing music, it's like you're still like exploring all these new things where like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was playing bass or drums um, and, you know, being into like Miles Davis and things like that, I was never going to achieve that. You know what I mean? I was never going to get to that. high bar. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, you know, being able to approach music from a completely different level, you're not approaching it from like an instrumentalist level where you Mm -hmm. need to be like a virtuoso to like achieve these goals. It's more just like experimentation. And like Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you can't lose with experimentation. It's like, it's always a success in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, um, it took kind of this like responsibility out of my hands in a way of creating rather than I was like, I felt like I was more curating sounds that I stumbled upon, you know, run this drum loop that I like through this guitar pedal and play with the, you know, record it for two minutes and then go back and listen to that two minutes of recording and find your favorite, you know, five or six, you know, one bar chunks of that and then create something out of that. And I felt that it was more like, almost like, oh, I'm good. At, I'm not good at writing stuff or I'm not good at like drawing portraits. I'm good at making collages or something, you know, like. If- yeah, that collage thing is definitely, it was a big draw for me because like getting into like DJ Shadow and the guys who were really cutting up records and stuff was amazing. And I tried my hand at that a little bit, you know, but ultimately it was like, once I was able to start generating my own, sounds whether it was like circuit bent things or little keyboards or whatever it was like you were coming up with your own sample fodder and you you weren't having to like pull from old records which is cool but it's like takes it in a completely different direction when you're coming up with the the loop material yourself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so this is kind of all of this builds up to the om or the I've been practicing it all morning. Yeah. On on day on mag, ma- magnetique. On, on magnet on magnetique. Okay, I don't know there why we go. I named it something so hard to pronounce. <laughs> it looks fancy, really nice when it's right? written. Yeah. It, it fits. The, um, so for the listener who doesn't know what this is, or even know maybe knows what it is, but like doesn't know exactly how it works, can you kind of lay that out? Because it's such a interesting. Sure. Instrument. It basically just takes the concept of when you have a sound on cassette tape, if you speed the tape up, that the pitch of that sound goes up. If you slow the tape down, the pitch of that sound goes down. So I made a controller that can control that speed um, you know, with eight, basically eight buttons, eight pitch um, keys, each with a tuning knob. 
so that you can control the tape speed with each button press, thus creating a, a, a pitch on each, you know, button. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's a built-in VCA that you can touch with your finger to kind of articulate how the volume comes in and out. It's really inspired by the uh, own Martineau, um, which was kind of popularized by Johnny Greenwood, um, mm -hmm. old instrument where it's like a, you know, a, a wire that you kind of move back and forth with your right hand and uh, press on a, a volume thing with your left hand. Um, it's an old instrument. Mm -hmm. but it sort of takes that that approach and uses the tape as an oscillator, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, so you could just like put anything on tape and create a little eight note synthesizer out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what? So there's there's the fine. There's a is there just like a, a coarse tune and a fine tune, and then the VCA speed or something? I noticed there's a lot there's of a, there's a, a like a fine tune on the tape player itself and then on the the actual om1 the little box that comes with it um there are eight buttons each button has a knob above it to tune tune the pitch uh and then you have above the um the uh the volume press thing whatever you want to call it is a uh, just like a way to it's not really attack and release. It's sort of like attack and release built into one. So like all the way to the left, it's really short staccato. And then the more you turn it to the right, it, it becomes like a softer in and out sort of okay. a, uh, attack, attack release. Okay. And then on the back you have uh, output and then you have a quarter inch, I mean a eighth inch uh, CV gate input so that you could sequence it from uh, any unquantized sequencer, it doesn't do uh, volt per octave, uh -huh. but any sequencer that does linear or unquantized voltages will That's sequence. So cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the list of my experimental kind of like non-modular synths is is growing, and that's on it. And I'm like, I thought my, I thought I reached a point where my my gas you know, the, the gear acquisition system had, or the syndrome had kind of died down. It never stops. <laughs> it never stops, man. And now I'm like, I need this thing. And I noticed that the batch for 2021 is sold out. Is this something that you're going to continue to make? And if so, like, do you just make X amount every year and that's it? Yeah. I mean, I, I do a batch every year and it's, it's over, it's, it's around 130 and it's really, it all depends on how many of these tape players that I can buy because I only use a couple certain types. Mm -hmm. I wish there was a new model that would work, but the new models are not very high quality. Mm -hmm. um, and these, the ones that I use track pitch relatively quickly. So there's not a lot of portamento, whereas like newer ones, are, there's a lot of lag mm -hmm. in between notes, which could be all right, I guess. But um, so yeah, I'll do like a batch of a little over a hundred every year and they tend to sell out really quickly, which is good on one hand, kind of bad on the other. Cause it's like, they sell out really quickly and it's, it can be frustrating cause like people want to play this thing and I want them to play this thing, mm -hmm. but it's become kind of hard to get a hold of, but my hands are tied because I'm using these old tape players. You know what I mean? Like right, right. I can't just buy as many as I want to it's sort of limited. Mm -hmm. But, I imagine with the uh, just the growing popularity of of cassettes, you know, like 
I just bought a cassette player, uh, mm -hmm. like a literal Walkman. Um, I, uh, I imagine that makes not only like it harder to find these specific tape players that you want, but more people interested in getting this instrument. So it's like yeah. this, this popularity is like driving a further, it seems like it could be driving a further. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's definitely tape stuff has hit an all time high in popularity. It seems like in terms of just like the weird things you can do with tape, you know, the, the looping mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. Einbach and amulets and all these guys have really like made it, you know, common knowledge now, whereas it used to be sort of like weird hidden techniques that some people knew about, but now it's like everybody wants mm -hmm. to jump on it. So yeah, it's good, yeah. but it's also, yeah, made it, made things more expensive too, which is kind of right. a drag. <laughs> you you kind of steered me into something that I really wanted to talk to you specifically about because it it's something that it's been rolling around in my head, but then especially listening to your talk with, you know, with with Ben and Ed on esoteric modulation, like I'm wondering, like, so this is you get into this using uh, tape and building this tape instrument out of you know because you're like trying to explore new ways of making sound. I feel like music concrete, like using tape and you know circuit bending and all that, like it has got so popular that it's it's easy to point out sometimes when you hear that on somebody's record, you know, there's even now there's plugins that try to emulate it and everything. Sure. So like that is, it's such well-trodden ground, but then everything, it seems like digital technology came in. Um, and it's like, you can't really like circuit bend. I mean, I guess I, if, if you're good at coding or something, you can write your own code, but like in the analog world, is there any like exciting frontier that hasn't been over, over like exposed or kind of, I don't want, I don't want to say like rang dry, but the tape thing, yeah. a lot of people have done. So is there anything that you are thinking about or that you try to explore? Although I'm, if there is, I'm kind of outing it right now. <laughs> In the analog world. I mean, uh, it's, it seems like it's, have we done it all? It's kind of been done, but it's just like, you know, it's just like guitar. It's like been done, but somehow people still seem to get new things out of it. Yeah. Not as often as they did in 1970 or something, right. but you know, I mean, for instance, like what is like uh, Soma, is that the guys that do yeah. like the Pulsar and all those mm -hmm. things? Those things are pretty wild for, for yeah. analog equipment and, and it's all, old technology it's not really like anything groundbreaking technologically speaking but it's just like the interfaces i think is a big part of yeah where people are pushing the envelope um and but tape i don't know tape is just one of those things where you know i hope it won't become passe because i love it so much yeah but it's like the techniques are definitely becoming more widespread and it's like you know for, for better or worse, but it's something that I can always see a use for. Yeah. Yeah. I, to, to like put it into modular terms, I think of it like rings and clouds, like, yeah, everybody can use it and get that thing out of it, but it's also still pretty robust and there's yeah. you can still kind of make it sound like your own. Um, but I have like stopped myself from, you know, I wanted to get, oh, I'll get a four track or no, I want to just get like something I can loop some tape with. And, and then I start wondering like, why, like, 
what am I going to say with this that hasn't been said before? And is there another avenue that I can go down to say something that I think is original? Yeah. But, you know, so that's like kind of like a battle that I have with myself. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, as with any instrument, you kind of want to pick it up and just take it from square one to start with. So you might buy a four track and do nothing new with it, but you might stumble upon something down the road. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can't really expect to pick something up and be like, I'm going to like break some ground. That's never been right. Right. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at, you know, it's rings and clouds is a good example. Like you said, it's like people pick it up and do the thing that everybody does with it. But if you spend time with it, you can find different ways to like do things new with it. And, you know, the same, you know, a tape player is not as deep as rings and clouds, but there's, I feel like there's still ways that you can bend it to your will and do weird things. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to the, the OM one. It's just like, kind of those those fears that I had about just like, oh, I would just be doing like, oh, I could, yeah, sure, I could grab a tape loop and stretch it with my finger and slow it down, but, ooh, you know, but like seeing the on <laughs> one I'm like, oh, this isn't actually like, seems like a really robust way to take advantage of this technology and just like a, I don't know, it just seems like a really fun instrument. I, I watching the videos, I'm like, I, I want to play one of those and I want yeah. to put every kind of sound through it and just like, that's like, it's, it seems like it's such fertile ground for exploration. And I think that's what makes a fun standalone instrument. And that's what, you know, that's why we're so drawn to, to modular. Um, modular really? gets kind of out of hand because you can have yeah. as many modules as you can fit into as many cases as you have. But I think getting the Strega was really like, for me, it was like, okay, this is fun to have something that I just sit this in front of me and just like try to go as far as I can on this. Um, so yeah, now now my gas is is that's my long-winded way of saying it. it's it's back in full effect, full speed. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean those little focused instruments like Strega or, or the OM1 or whatever. It's like I feel it's it's almost easier to be creative when you have like such a narrow like set yeah. of limitations, and you know that's the modular can kind of be a black hole in that regard, and it's easy to just get overwhelmed and like set up too many options for yourself but mm -hmm. you know not that i don't do that too but it's yeah. uh <laughs> you know the small system or the small dedicated instruments mm -hmm. there's still a place for that for sure yeah We'll be back to this chat in a moment, but first I want to tell you that support for Podular Modcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for keeping things nice and tidy down there. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PODMOD20 at manscaped.com. You know, I have to be honest, for most of my adult life, um, you know, I've resorted to, uh, you know, my hair trimmers that I use on my head or my beard trimmer. Um, and you know, it's all the same body, but it's not all the same shape. And that's where the Lawnmower 4.0 comes in. It's, it's made for this. It's even got a light on it. 
which I thought was kind of gimmicky to be honest at first, but it's very, very useful. And I gotta be honest, to break the fourth wall here for a second, it's really hard not to uh, just make a joke every three seconds because there's just so many, but you know, it's all low-hanging fruit. So just be sure to take care of your low-hanging fruit with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. And I'll be honest with you, it's not just uh, me who's pretty stoked about this in the Held household. Um, well, you know what? I'll just let her speak for herself. Take it away, Hannah. So as some of you may know, if you follow Podmon on Instagram, Tim's a pretty hairy dude. I gotta say, since the Lawnmower 4.0 showed up, things have become a lot more manageable here at Podmod headquarters. Another added perk of Tim's new Manscaped regiment are the alluring scents provided by the deodorant and toner spray. I'm a huge fan. Lastly, since Tim was bragging about how great the Lawnmower 4.0 is, I had to take it for a spin myself. And I gotta say, that light feature is a game changer. Game changer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PODMOD20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PODMOD20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. In the same vein of like this this topic we're on, I'm curious, like what it is was what is it that you're like jazzed on right now? Is there any technique, piece of gear, or approach, or it, just anything artistic? I know you're not just a musician; you also do, you know, graphic design type stuff. And like, is what's your what's your shit right now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, musically, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, with. I, like you can see that small case behind me over there. Mm -hmm. It's mainly centered around the ER301, which has sort of been my focus for a while. And it's just it's like, it's like this kind of thing you can almost do whatever you want in. And it's mm -hmm. very, I, I work with loops with it a lot. And I work with like granular stuff with it a lot. And that to me has just kind of been like, like combining that with like Euclidean rhythms or even like that, the GR1, that uh, granular synth mm -hmm. um, that Tasty Chips makes, like combining the granular stuff with Euclidean rhythms, like having Euclidean patterns trigger the grain, uh, mm -hmm. you know, sort of thing. And I mean, to me, it's like, I know it's not like I'm the only guy doing that, but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of, ground there that can still be explored in mind and you know like yeah. i'm just basically trying to sound as much like tim hecker as possible <laughs> <laughs> uh man that was like that was my goal for i think the first few years i was making electronic music that and uh 10 tricks i was like oh yeah i wanted to find like the balance between but yeah tim hecker that stuff is it's just so like dark and heavy but yeah. also like it seems like it it moves at a glacial pace. It's like, it's like glacial speed doom metal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. Um, I, you also, um, it's funny you mentioned granular because I, like, that's, that's my thing. I'm, I'm really into like that. I've got the, uh, you know, obviously the, the morphogene and the, the R bar are like my, my granular systems yeah. right now. Um, and I was like, is granular the new tape? You know, is that the is that the digital tape now? Because it seems to be like a lot of people working in it, but like tape, it seems like it's a pretty vast, yeah, uh, continent that we can all kind of have our own little piece of. You know, 
Totally. I mean, it's just a tool that right now is sort of in vogue, mm -hmm. but ultimately it is a tool. So it's like, you don't have to build the same things that everyone else builds with the tool. Mm -hmm. And it might take some time to figure out your own voice on it. But I mean, it's just so powerful. Like I've had both of those Arbar and the Morphogene and, you know, it's just easy to make beautiful things with it. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe that's a trap that it's so easy. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, there are ways to do new things with it. I feel like, you know, cause they are relatively new pieces of equipment. So it's just like, who knows what someone's going to be doing with those things a few years down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found myself, uh, kind of almost building the exact same patch for, you know, almost a year straight, but running different sounds through it. Um, and at first when I noticed, okay, I'm just doing the same thing. I was starting to kind of like kick myself for that. Like, don't do that. But then I was like, no, I'm, I'm literally practicing something. Right. So I will keep doing this and hope that it just get way better at it. And like, and I finally feel like for the first time in my life, as far as modular goes, that I'm actually like honing in like a skill with this instrument rather than just like picking out sounds that I think are cool. And I plug this cable into that module, right. whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are you, are you working on an album or anything right now? I actually just turned in an album. Um, okay. that'll, it probably won't be out until next year, maybe February on uh Sile records, uh, okay. docking houses label. It'll okay. be my second one for them. Right on. But yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. And that one's sort of built around, uh, over the past year or so, like I haven't necessarily been super motivated to make music. Mm -hmm. So I sort of got in the habit of just uh, setting up these, like, the, you know, the Frippertronic system where it's like a tape loop that just records on itself um, and degrades over time sort of thing. I set up a system using uh, a Marantz tape player in the ER301 where I could just do those and like, record a 30 second or a minute loop and it would just kind of degrade over time. And I just got in the habit of recording those and I would do, you know, eight that were all in the same uh, mode or scale so that I would have little, these little bunches of loops that all work together sonically. Uh -huh. And then once I had enough, I just kind of went through them and did live mixes, you know, mixing okay. in and out so that it's, these asynchronous loops sort of like, you know, blending in, in and out of each other. And, and that's where this album sort of came about. And they're like in different stages of degradation as you're bringing them in and out. And I'm imagining. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some will, some will, you know, get crunchier quicker. Some were longer loops so they don't degrade as much and they're all, uh -huh. they're all asynchronous. So this is not, it's not a lot of like rhythmic stuff, but it's all, you know, they all work together somehow. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, like a, really it's a, it was a, it was a weird way to work, but in the end it was fun because like the final process of just like doing a live mix, it was like, it's almost like you can't go wrong. It, it couldn't really like mess up. It was just a matter of like finding a take that you liked the best. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it seemed really organic to work that way. I don't know. It was, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'll do it again, but it was a <laughs> fun way to work. Yeah, yeah. So this sounds like this was a kind of 
a process inspired rather than an emotion exactly. inspired thing to where like i think your pre your most recent release was a little bit more emotionally charged right like or at um, least had more of a kind of a a real like no, not real life yeah like a real life prompt like this thing happened this oh, that, have this oh from the flood you mean yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah that was uh well that was my first one. I had another one that came out after that. Um oh, sorry about that. It was a little less a little less like uh concept driven or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was totally this new one that's due next year is definitely a process driven record. Cause like I said, it was like, man, you know, I hate to be like talk about the quarantine and all that bullshit, but I just like wasn't really inspired during that time. But doing these loops was a way to like still make music without really like i'm sitting down to like write a song or like make a piece it was just like i'm gonna make a loop tonight and record it for 10 minutes and that's all i'm gonna do tonight you know it was just sort of a fun thing to to stay active musically without putting any pressure on myself really Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then at the end you know there was a little bit of work in terms of like compiling everything and mixing everything and all that but um yeah, like I said, I mean, it was a new, fun way to kind of, like, keep the music juices flowing without really, like, you know, putting in super hard work. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a cool, like, um, almost like you get, like, you're making music, but you're just as much listening to it while you're making it. Like, you're, like, totally. kind of one foot in each circle, so you can kind of chill while you're doing it. Absolutely. Um, it sounds like it could be uh, meditative or a little therapeutic. And, you know, speaking of the pandemic, like did in hindsight or yeah. And like looking back, does it seem like maybe that was uh, some sort of like therapy type thing or is it, oh, like, did you 100%. have to really push your, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause like, you know, making music can be fun, but like if you're doing it with some sort of like, Oh, I need to get a record out. It can be a little stressful. It can be a little like, you know the pressure if you're not inspired especially if you don't have like some like spark that's just driving you it's like oh i'm a musician i need to be making music Mm -hmm. it's a little daunting whereas this was just like i'm making a loop tonight it's gonna you know just kind of play out and degrade and i'm gonna just like chill and then that's it and there's like zero pressure Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like once the loops were done, I even, I had a friend over one night and I just like let him sit at the mixer and he just, you know, pushed faders up and down and it sounded great. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, all the hard work was done. And then, so that last phase, it was just like meditative and just like very much a listening experience where you're just working faders, basically pulling things in and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I'd never really worked that way before. I mean, things in the past have always been much, much more labored over, which is great too. But if you're not feeling it, it's hard to get to that place. It's, you know? it's, I would say it's impossible. Some like, unless like you have some huge deadline or like, you know, like a huge financial responsibility or something yeah. like that involved. Like if it's just like your thing and you're the master of this thing and you're not feeling it, like I, I've got so much shit I need to mix still, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that I want to, but I don't want to, you know, because I I, I know that there's going to be this huge like 
the the huge uh, hump of tackling all the material that was recorded and picking out what it is I want to mix and how I want to mix it. That's the only yeah. thing I don't want to do. I know there's great stuff in this, but I've got 45 minutes worth of shit recorded, right? Yeah. But I only want to make 15 minutes worth of stuff out of it. That means I have to listen to that 45 minutes a bunch of times. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to like wean myself away from that ultra editing style of, yeah. of things. Like I'm not to the point of like some of these people that are just like record a, a two channel stereo take and like put a compressor on it and call it a day. Like I, I'm, I'm jealous of that. Yeah. But, but I still, I go into it not wanting to like know that I'm going to have to whittle away 90% of it. Cause like, that's not fun at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to it as fun as possible, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to add like in, in that kind of, in the spirit of this, what we're talking about, um, when you did like put all these loops together, I mean, you, you said you, you made it in like similar keys. So you knew what they would all work together, yeah. but like, you know, keeping them 10 minutes, was that, was that kind of the reason you kept them a little shorter like that is just so you wouldn't have to like, cause that seems like that could get really out of hand when you're trying to mix different loops together. Like, you know, you could spend hours trying to patch stuff together and maybe you didn't find the right combo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there were definitely combos that didn't work and I mm -hmm. abandoned those or whatever, but um, yeah, the, I mean, the length of the loop was pretty arbitrary. It was just like whatever, whatever worked out, you know, sometimes uh, if I record a short loop, it's going to degrade out and become pretty crunchy you know, pretty quickly, but some of them I would just cut off at around 10 minutes and uh, go from there. And then when I did the mixing, I would, I would loop the loop. So like it would, if it, if one loop ended, it would just start over again so that mm -hmm. it was continually, there was no, you know, dead air on any of the channels or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. But it was very loose. I mean, it's not, very uh you know <laughs> scientific and <laughs> yeah how it was done but so is the album going to be just one long track then or is it broken up into tracks? no i mean it could have been but mm -hmm. no it's it's because the way i did it was i did consciously make like eight or ten loops that would work together it wasn't like i recorded a giant library of loops and then had to pull things together like they were sort of like approached as like one batch of loops would be a song. And that was, okay. you know, set aside as one thing um, to make it easier for myself, I guess. But um, I did think about making it to where each track would like fade into one another and be a long thing. And I actually did that on a couple tracks where I would just mm -hmm. overlap two, two songs basically and made it into one song. But um yeah ultimately i didn't do that for the whole record okay that's something i always struggle with is for some reason i like i like the idea of an, an a full album and i like the idea of that album being the same statement piece or whatever and part of that for me is i like each thing to kind of flow into each other um, yeah. so it's always hard to be like well i'd like people just to sit down and listen to the whole thing but i know that that's not really the world we live in anymore um so it's like, it's kind of one of those extra steps again. Okay. Where am I adding track breaks now or something, you know? Um, but it sounds like out, like albums as a, like a, a singular thing or something that 
are impo- is important to you. Like you're not going to take tracks from a 10 year span and put them on one thing and call it an album or would you? Right. Probably not. I mean, typically if I have things, singular things laying around, they end up going on a compilation or, you know, mm-hmm. some, uh, some standalone thing. Um, I think if, if you approach making a new record with some sort of like cohesive idea or process or whatever, it just helps you out in the end, making things seem like a unified project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's just the way that I prefer to go about it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's part of that magic still that I'm maybe trying to hold on to from, you know, that kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like as a, as a kid getting into it before I was really participating in the music, it was kind of this, these worlds, you know, and yeah. now it's like um, world building now or something. I think, I think yeah. Robert, Robert Ike Aubrey Lowe actually mentioned that fucking name He's drop, best. but <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, world building. Like that's, that's he was actually one of the first uh, OM one customers. Really? Yeah. He bought one of those. From the that's pretty first cool. batch early on yeah so as a as as an instrument on, on that subject i wasn't going to ask this question but it just popped in my head like as an instrument builder is it pretty cool when some of those names show up on the order form like it's the oh, best shit. man yeah it's the best <laughs> like you know it's and it's hard not to seem braggy or like whatever right. but it's like uh-huh. it's not that it's like it's surreal when this little thing you made in your house for yourself you get an email from like johnny greenwood saying he wants one you know it's like it's yeah insane. that's it's insane <laughs> you know like richard d james emailed me about this thing you know oh, what i mean it's holy like shit. it's nuts it's you can't the, you, it's, it's you can't circle. get higher than that like, right <laughs> it's and i told johnny greenwood that too that it's like full circle because i the first time i saw anyone play the own martino was him on uh-huh. uh Saturday Night Live or something like that. And, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have made this instrument had I not seen that. So the fact that he's interested in getting one, it's just this crazy full circle moment that like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. I guess that's the way I should say it. It's like, I don't, I don't think it's bragging. I think it's just like, I think I have the right to be proud of that, right? 100%. <laughs> you have the, and I think also you have the right to, to share that, that feeling that you get from that with other people, because like, it's good. It's, you're yeah. not, you're not doing it to say anything like, this is how badass I am. It's right. more like this thing happened and it was yeah. amazing to me. And I want to share that with you. Absolutely. Like, yeah. um, I mean, I haven't talked to Johnny Greenwood, but you know, as a result of this show, I've got to talk to like so many awesome 100%. people and, and I feel awesome. Every time I have a conversation, I leave it feeling, you know, high and like, ready i'm like i'm more like i want to go downtown and start talking to people every time i do what we're doing right now you know it makes it's like it makes you feel justified in the time that you spend on these things on your podcast or what i'm doing it's like everything is suddenly just justified and you just feel good about it you know like yeah yeah because yeah sometimes i could see yeah like because if you're if you're sitting there and you're you're soldering over these you know, these devices and you're just doing it and you're grinding. Cause I imagine making 130 of them is really, of, really time consuming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, I'm sure you have those moments. So they're like, you know, like sometimes I'm editing and it's like, yeah. I release the episodes at midnight and sometimes it's 11 when I'm bouncing out the track and I'm like, 
is this what I want to be doing at 11 on Sunday night? You right. know? But it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's worth the effort. That's, you know, the takeaway for sure. Yeah. So as far as the instruments go, like, are you, are you, are you trying to like think of more? Or are you just, are you happy with making your 130 a year and then, and then kind of keeping doing that and, and, and keeping on with making music or? Um, well, I'm, I have some other things in the works. I've started working with a friend who, um, is, is better in the whole like microcontroller DSP sort of world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have some ideas that I would need to, you know, incorporate those, that technology. Um, and then besides the OM1, I build these uh, cassette tape echoes, which are built out of old Marantz decks. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, the goal is to come up with something that is not requiring me to buy used, <laughs> often broken uh, technology <laughs> to make the thing. So uh -huh. yeah, that's kind of why I've you know uh, gotten help from a friend of mine who knows that world a little better than me um mm -hmm. which you know it might not be tape based but it'll it'll still have the same sort of you know ethos and all of that yeah yeah totally um well i look forward to seeing whatever that is when it comes out and i i'm on that mailing list for the uh, <laughs> for next year so it'll be um, march it's always march so. march okay i'll keep that in mind um yeah, I don't know why I feel compelled to tell you this, but I think just in the spirit of this, I was thinking of how I could bring it up and talk to you about it. But the, the other day I was messing around with this organelle that has the, the built-in speaker on it. Oh yeah. Um, and it's got a built-in mic and I was using the, the granular freezer kind of like effect, but I was using the mic as the input and the uh, speaker as the output. And I was just using the volume knob you know, that's all I was playing the yeah, volume note right. out and just doing this crazy feedback stuff. And my wife was like playing a, a singing bowl at, at it. And I was like recording that. And it was just like so fun. And that's like started making me think of like, oh, I want to build this like feedback instrument or something. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know why I wanted to bring that up, but it kind of felt like that kind of exploration like is kind of where your head's at with a, the OM1 of just like chasing something down or something. Yeah, finding a weird technique and then building an instrument around it or something. And the feedback thing is great, and I've definitely thought about that. Um, but this guy recently started making these things. I, I, f I forget what they're called, but it's basically a feedback loop uh, with a spring reverb in the path. Uh huh. And it has uh, like a 10 band EQ or some, some, some kind of EQ built in so that it creates this feedback that's, you know, going through the spring reverb and then you can kind of like pull up frequencies in and out of it. And that sounds it looks really, really cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. He has the same problem as me. And like he, his waiting list is like five years long. Or something <laughs> like that. So I don't know if I'll ever get to play with that one, but it looks cool. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, we're rounding around an hour. We're getting close. And uh, I always like to make sure that I, I give plenty of time at the end for uh, for you to, to, if there's anything we haven't covered or is there anything that you would like to specifically talk about or, or plug or anything like that? 
Uh, not so much. I mean, the only thing worth plugging probably is that record, but it won't be out until February. Um, okay. Well, maybe we'll have to have you on. That sounds like en- enough time in between cool. uh, to promote that for sure. And what was the label that was coming out on? Uh, Sile, S-E-I-L. Okay. Jogging House's label. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, are you feeling up to a patch challenge today? Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Let me get out my patch challenge generator here and uh, see if we can find some cool words for you. Um, and just, we can, you can do this after we're done recording here. I'll edit this part out. Um, cool. I'll just give you the words. You can make it and then you can just send that over with your recording there. Um, so let's see here. I've only once ever actually opened the patch challenge generator before the conversation started. So I didn't have to waste your time doing this, but, um, all right, let's, let's go through some moods. I'm going to give you some moods to choose from first. And then from there I'll generate the words. Um, simple, happy or peaceful. Mm, Let's go for simple, simple. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. Sometimes <laughs> these words don't mean anything. And I have to hit it a bunch of times. <laughs> like here, this is this is a typical example of how this spits out stupid um, combinations. It's actually a typical example. But I like you, it. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is being very, very, very obtuse <laughs> <obtused> today. <laughs> uh, unassuming cocoon. All right. That that's. I guess that's got enough poetry to it where it could be fun. I like it. The cocoon aspect. I think I could. Yeah. I think yeah. I think you could go somewhere with that. Um, well, I'm just so excited to finally have got to meet you and, and thanks for your time today. Um, really, yeah. really appreciate it. Um, is there anything you'd like to scream from the modular mountaintops? <laughs> oh, uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> donate to, uh, the, uh, coastal restoration and, you know, people that have been fucked over by all the storms, I guess that's a good thing to, uh, get out there. Thanks for bringing that up. I was actually thinking about asking if you knew of any specific ones, but I think there's all sorts. Of, I'll, I'll track some down and put some links in the show description. Totally. Yeah, um, that'd be good. That would, that would be awesome. All right, let's check out Scott Campbell's Unassuming Cocoon.
All right, that's our show. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was really fun to get to know you finally. Um, don't forget to check out the links in the show description so you can help out with uh, some of the relief for the people affected by the storms down there in Louisiana. It's it's it, They got hit really hard, and the media is not covering it very well. So it's our job to step up and help them out. Um, don't forget about the Basement State event here in Seattle featuring R. Benny and some awesome uh, Seattle artists at the Good Shepherd Center. Um, link in the show description for that. And then, of course, at the end of the month in October, uh, me and R. Benny are going to be down hanging out with the Colorado Modular Synth Society. So be on the lookout for details about that. We're still we're still uh, zeroing in on, on all that right now. Um, what else is there? Thank you to all the sponsors. After Later Audio, don't forget about the new Bleep Bloop 2000. If you want to buy one directly from After Later, um, I would do it now because we are literally down to, well, I don't know exactly how many, but it's a very small amount. Um, and they are available overseas. I'll put links in the show description as well to uh, where you can get them if you're in Japan or if you're in Australia or Europe or uh, UK. Um, all over the place. What else? Thank you to Manscaped. Please, if you'd like to support the show, head over to manscaped.com and use the code prom, uh, the promo code PODMOD20 for 20% off. Uh, the more people that use that code, the more likely it is that uh, they'll help me out financially for the long run. So um, that also goes for helping out with supporting Patchworks. So head over to P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Um, don't forget, if you bought a Zoya Euro Bureau because you heard about it here on Podular Modcast, on the warranty card, fill out in the section where you heard about it. Tell them you heard about, uh, heard about it from me. That'll also help me um, and uh, Empress. You know, It's good to track these kind of things. And finally, the, the, the best way really to support the show is through the Patreon. Um, so if you would like to visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, yeah, and to everybody who's doing all the cool fan art and, and posting cool videos with the, the bleep bloop, I really appreciate that. Keep those coming. It's really cool to see what you're all doing with them. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I've got for you this week. Ooh, I almost forgot, and I think I forgot last week. But here is the secret word for you to uh, comment on the Instagram post about this episode to let me know that you stuck around for the entire episode, and uh, and it'll confuse people. Here we go, Mama Moose. I guess that's two words, but that's that's the secret code. That's our little in our little in inside joke, Mama Moose. Go get in some water. Winter's coming. Until next week.